Amen. How great thou art. And on this Palm Sunday, we look to celebrate and reflect on God's goodness. Uh, we are or can dismiss the uh, children. If you would like to go and uh, play in the hall with Miss Joy, I think there might be snacks there as well. Or you can grab a snack and go as you would like to do so. And uh, we're just excited to uh, gather together. Um, one thing that I just wanted to share is as we look towards Easter, this is a time that Christians celebrate and non-Christians kind of wonder, what are you celebrating? And it's weird as I was, well, uh, some days I take, sometimes some days I take off, I take a day off and I like to jump in a hot tub. So at top notch, I'll be in the hot tub and it's ministry and it's like, it's like being baptized. That's probably sacrilegious, but I just like sitting in the hot tub. But then some people come and because I'm rude like that, I always have my earbuds in, but sometimes I'll keep them off so I can listen to the conversation. And I look like I'm sleeping and resting and peaceful, but you hear the conversation like, is it worth joining? Is this like, I don't want to join? Or, well, it, it was kind of a good conversation. Noah works at Top Notch too, so Noah, you kind of know what I'm talking about. We have all sorts of guests. So I took out my headphones and I looked like I shut them off. And there's a discussion on like Easter in church and why would anybody ruin a weekend morning to go to church? And I'm like, well... Can I share? And they're like, yeah, what do you do for work? It's like, well, I work here Fridays. Oh, that must be nice. Like, well, full-time I'm a pastor. It's like, oh, so what do you do? It's like, well, sometimes we go to church on Sunday mornings, and I find, like, it's a great time to be with family after, like, not being able to see each other. But I'm an extrovert. And then this one person said, oh, I'm an introvert. I love the pandemic. It's like, oh, okay. And so then I, it just kind of stopped. So I put my earbuds back in and just enjoyed the hot tub. But it is interesting. Sometimes I start thinking so much about church and Christians and God and the Bible and how I grew up and my background and my experience that I fail to think about, man, there are people that have no idea what Easter is or what we celebrate, that we celebrate a God that heals, a God that loves, a God that cares, especially or even in the middle of a pandemic. And so now, as we have many prayer requests, as our families have many prayer requests, as our friends are going through a lot of different tests, we can pray and we can go to God that loves us. And so it's great seeing Colleen and Missy back and after some injuries and Shirley with her uh, recovery. And it's just awesome to see like God does heal. Sometimes we want it a miraculous healing instantaneously, but sometimes it's just like, man, God's doing something in my life and in my heart and working. And it's just awesome when we can identify that feeling with, well, it, it is God. It's the creator. It's the one that loves us. So let's pray. Jesus. Again, we say thank you for being with us. We thank you for loving us and caring about everything we're going through. We thank you that you are a healer, and we do pray for your healing. We pray for those that are broken emotionally, that have uh, broken relationships, that are um, enduring a divorce or gone through turbulent times. We thank you, God, that you care about what is taking place. So here we are. Here we are. If you can use us, then use us, because here we are desperate just for meaning and declaring that, it, that we need you for true meaning to happen. 
So Jesus, we thank you. And for all the requests that we have, for all the burdens that are represented, for all the needs in our community, may we reflect and display and show your love and your truth. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And we do thank you for your continued giving and uh, tithes and offerings, whether in person, online. And uh, that's just helped us to uh, really reach out to different families in need and just to show God's love for them. Um, this is Palm Sunday. This is also call, called Passion Sunday or the first day of Holy Week. Sometimes we just think that this Palm Sunday is a celebration and next week Easter is a celebration. Everybody can just stare at Grace. She's adorable. So I know I'm doing it too. Yeah, Grace. Anyway, and so we just often jump from celebration of Palm Sunday to celebration of Easter, but the first day of Holy Week reminds us what a week it was for Jesus, what a week it was for his disciples, his apostles, the followers of Jesus. This Holy Week is not just celebrating with the palm branches, hey, look, Jesus, the Messiah is here, and then next week, hey, look, Jesus is alive and risen from the dead, but this Holy Week meant the Last Supper. This Holy Week meant that Jesus would get with his disciples and experience betrayal. And this betrayal would lead Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would pray. And he would ask his friends, can't you just pray with me for one hour? Can't you just relate to the suffering, the anxiety, what I'm feeling? Can't you just be with me, these sweat drops of blood that Jesus had. And it's a medical condition. And I'm glad, Caroline, you could actually explain that to us after if you'd like to. And uh, and so it's actually a real medical condition. It's not just a phenomenon that happened in the Bible once, but this has happened. And this is something that we have to think about and reflect on that happened to Jesus this holy week, that Jesus was brutally beaten, flogged, and put on the cross. And that was part of Holy Week, but we get to celebrate Easter. We get to remember the blood-stained cross is empty. We get to realize that there is an empty grave, that Jesus is alive, that he cares for us. So we don't just jump from Palm Sunday, celebrate Jesus with the waving of palm branches, to Easter we get to celebrate he's alive, but we remember all that Jesus went through for us. He chose to go through for us because he said, not my will, but yours be done, God. Not what I desire. Jesus was fully human like us. He did not want to obey his father. Have you ever not wanted to obey your father? There are times in my life where I did not think, oh, dad, that's the best idea ever. I want to obey you. And so there are times, and even Jesus, he found himself not wanting to obey his father, but he said, not my will, but yours be done. The last few weeks, we looked at Luke 15, where it was the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons, plural. And how all of those were restored except for the older son, the one representing the religious leaders of the law, the one that said, hey, I have always loved you. How can you allow this prodigal son to return? How can you allow this person that has messed up so many times, has squandered your money, that has rejected the family, how can you receive him? All of these were found and restored save for the older brother. And so we look, like what takes place after Luke? What takes place in this book as we look towards Easter, Palm Sunday? I alluded to it last week, and I find it interesting. I love this story about Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And if you were here last week, a wee little man was he. He 
climbed up a little bit louder, but he climbed up into it. Bethany, she always used to teach our kids and with children's church, climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see in their actions to her. I should have given you preparation. You could No, okay. And so Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. So he climbed up into a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. There's a curiosity about this person that he had heard about. Do you think, do you wonder that maybe the most uh, grotesque sinner that we know of, maybe perhaps they're just wondering, is there a Savior? Is there a Jesus? Is there a Christian that would just love me in this way, that would forgive me of my sins? I just want to see, could it be real? Seeing is believing while we live by faith, not by sight, but seeing is believing. So we want to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. This is one of the few, I think there's only two times in the New Testament where Jesus says, quicker, quickly. This is one of those times. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. Why? Because I must be a guest in your home today. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. Whether it was right or wrong, Zacchaeus was rich. He had money. He had a nice house. He had servants. He had good food. Jesus said, we are going to eat today. Zacchaeus, come down because I am hungry. Come down. Let's go check out your crib and see what you've done with your place. And let's go hang out and go get something to eat. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. This is Jesus saying, I want to be with those that are far from me. I want to be with those that do not believe that I'm the Savior, that I'm the Messiah. At the end of this, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. It's come to Zacchaeus's house today. For this man, Zacchaeus has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10. This should be a memory verse, maybe next month. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. It's that Zacchaeus, stay in that tree because you are a sinner and everybody knows it. And if I go to your house, they're going to say, it looks bad, Jeff. It looks bad that you're hanging out with those people. You know, it really kind of is questionable that you. Well, Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost and we are to be like Jesus. We don't save anybody, but we can reflect who Jesus is. Jesus was always teaching. He was preparing his disciples. He was showing them through experience what he would do. And sometimes we could see and we could witness. And other times people weren't with Jesus, so they didn't actually see him. They just heard stories about him. Jesus had this great sense of urgency because his physical time on earth was ending. It was nearing completion. He knew that, but the others didn't. So he goes on to tell the story directly after the experience of being with Zacchaeus. He starts to teach those in a parable, in a form. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. People were saying, Jesus, you're going to be the next king. Jesus, you're going to rule. You're going to get elected. You're going to get appointed. You are going to be in control. And Jesus, when you are in control, like I don't have to be like a governor, but could I kind of like be a mayor? Like, Jesus, you're going to own and be in charge of all this and have all this power. And that's awesome. And because you're going to be in power, can I just have, you know, like this little section of property? Like the person I'm taking it from, they're really bad and you know they're bad. And so could I just get that? They're trying to maneuver and posture for what they thought Jesus was going to control, control on earth. 
And Jesus is like, you guys missed it. You don't understand. And so he goes on to say, a nobleman, a wise man, was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. This guy, he's going to leave and then he's going to come back. So what he did is, before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. It would be similar but extremely different if I said, hey, Jay and Beth, I'm going to leave for a little bit. I'm going to come back king. So, hey, that's pretty cool, too. But I'm going to leave you some money, so make sure, like, you invest this well. So when I come back, like, I, I just want to see a return on my investment. Well, this 10 pounds of silver it equates to three months' wages. That's what he left to the 10, each of the 10 servants. He's like, you have three months' wages. Do with it what can return an investment. So Jesus is telling the, the story because he wants them to realize, like, I'm not setting up a kingdom here on earth for you to be my, uh, whatever, lieutenant, king. What's a prince? What's after a king? Greg, you would know. You have the king, then you have, who's under a king? Anybody? A vo viceroy. Okay, thanks. Thank you. So you'd have your viceroy. Like, you aren't setting up this king. He's like, no, I'm leaving. So what I'm giving you, you need to invest it. And at the end, some did, some didn't. And Jesus said, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given you. Scripture says that to those that have been given or been trusted with little, God will give more. God will give more if he can see that you're trustworthy. But then from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And this is with Palm Sunday, we're supposed to be celebrating, acknowledging Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is for us, Jesus like cares. He really wants to help. And even though that is so good, the opposite must be true if this is truth. If Jesus is so good, there is bad, there is evil, there is hell. And for those that choose not to obey Jesus, choose not to follow Jesus, that is a significant repercussion for that decision. But Jesus said, if you use well what you've been given, I will give you even more. If you start to use this influence that you have because of God to share his love to others, then he's going to grow you in maturity with him. But there's a caution. There's this warning. There's this pause. And some would say, well, Jesus, why are you pausing? Why don't you just come back now? Why are you delaying? Why don't you just invoke your justice right now on those who are evil? Well, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think, no, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is being patient because he doesn't want anybody to miss out on heaven. He doesn't want anyone to miss out on salvation. And though you might say that person deserves hell. Well, we all do. But because of Jesus, we've been able to say, Jesus, like, forgive me. And man, thank you for being patient with me. And I want to be patient with others. So Jesus is giving a warning, like, be slow. And my ways are slow because I have a promise for everyone. Jesus was very confident in who he was. His sacrifice offers salvation. It makes people new. Jesus was not saying that, hey, um, you know what? I'm going to die on the cross. And the Bible says wide is the road that leads to hell and narrow is the way that leads to heaven. So uh, because it's only narrow, I'm, I, I don't want to do it. 
Jesus was confident in knowing that there are many that will not receive him as Savior, even though he died for our sins. How many of you would do that? You would say, I try to think of an illustration. They're like, if you invested uh, $5, that you would get $500. You'd be like, hey, that's a pretty good investment. What if somebody said, you invest $5 and you get $0? You'd be like, uh, well, is it a good cause? Like maybe for a good cause. But what if they said $5,000 and you get zero back? Well, you know, if I came into some money, if I had a little flexibility, a little bit of margin, then maybe. What if they said, your son, give your son, I'm going to take your son. Now, my dad had two sons. I know which one he would pick. But uh, you give, if it's your son, you're like, what? No way. No, I want the biggest return on my investment. And Jesus said, okay, daddy. Not my will, but yours be done. Because it was prophesied in Zechariah, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Jesus did not come in on high-o silver. He was not looking for that great white horse. Look at me. I am the one to be looked at. He came righteous and victorious, but humbly riding on a donkey. This is back to Luke. After telling that story, Jesus went toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. This is after he just said, the 10 servants that I gave three months wages to, some had a great return on the investment, others didn't. There's consequences for those either side. After telling this story, Jesus went toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples. Um, who knows what the word Bethany means, the name Bethany? I don't think Bethany's parents did when they named her, but it means house of the poor and afflicted. So I don't know if that was prophetic and now, well, anyway. So um, he sent two disciples ahead of him and he said, go into the village over there. As you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Go steal that donkey for me. Are you, Jesus, come on now. If anyone asks, hold on. If anyone asks, why are you untying the colt? Simply say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying, the, uh, the owners asked, why are you untying the colt? As we've said before, you've got to put yourself in the position of this story. Can you imagine if Jesus said, hey, go untie that donkey. And when somebody says, Whoa, why are you stealing my donkey? Just say, uh, God told me to. Does this even make sense? It does not make any sense. And sometimes we read the Bible like, of course, that's what you do. Like God told me to steal my brother-in-law's uh, new tractor because like he got a new tractor and I'd like to use it and I work for the church. So, hey, hey, Brad, God told me to take your tractor. That, that would not go over so well. And uh, probably because I'm not God and then Brad knows me and I don't even know how to drive the tractor. So that'd really be a mess. But um, it's not saying go steal something and say, hey, God told me to do it. Hey, I can be obnoxious. God told me to do it. I can yell and scream and point out your faults and say, you need Jesus, and God told me to do it. No, this was very, very specific purpose. 
This was so Jesus could be acknowledged for who he was, the Messiah. And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. When Jesus tells you to do something, do you obey? Or do you find every excuse why you should not untie that donkey? When Jesus himself told you, just say the Lord told you to do it. When they say, hey, like, give an extra tip to this person, they, they really could use it today. I'm just going to leave this gospel tract with the four spiritual laws, and it tells them how to find Jesus. Well, maybe do that and then leave the tip that God told you to leave. What if God said, like, take out those earphones and listen to the conversation and actually engage with people? Well, I, this is my day off. This is my time away. I, I don't know if I want to engage with people. I just need to refresh. I what if Jesus is just saying, yeah, but for this moment, I want you to obey me. Well, they obeyed and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride. As he rode along the garment, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of them. This is where we get Palm Sunday. That was the dirt road, whether it's muddy or whatever you, you want to think about that dirt road. They were just putting their garments down. They're putting palm branches down because they were saying, I believe this is the Messiah. I believe this man, Jesus, who came from a carpenter's home, which is really a stoneworker's home, who came from this place that this Jesus has done things that have only been considered miracles. I believe that he is the Messiah. I believe these jokers that follow him, these fishermen, these uneducated people, except for Luke, he was a doctor. I believe that these people that uh, rabbis do not choose the people they would follow it's these students would choose the rabbi they wanted to follow. So rabbis never chose the people they wanted to follow them. It was always the student choosing the rabbi. Jesus chose the disciples. So you can say, hey, these disciples, that no rabbi would ever accept them. The, the, these disciples that they asked that rabbi, that rabbi, that rabbi, they all said no, no way. But for some reason, man, he is the Messiah. He is who he said he wanted. He, he, he is God. He is the Messiah. When he reached the place where the road started down, the men of olives, all of his followers, began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. This was actually taken, or the song was actually taken directly from Scripture, but it talks about how they shouted and sang. They shouted and sang. Have you ever been somewhere where you couldn't help yourself, but you just broke out with shouting? You couldn't contain yourself, but you were so excited, you just had to shout. Now, I have to admit, I've never just broken out in song. Never. Never just like broken out. Now, my dad has. My dad does often. If you want to be on Life Group or on Zoom, like somebody will say something and there's some word in it that has to do with some song and dad will just break out in song. I've never broken out in song, but I've broken out in shouting. And so this is shout and sing. They were just so excited about what took place. Blessings. Hosanna on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. This is where we celebrate. We shout. We can't believe it's true. The Messiah actually came. Jesus actually loves us. If you could just bottle up how you felt 
And I know we don't live by emotions, but emotions can teach and we can learn a lot from them. If you just bottle up the emotions of when you first realized Jesus forgave you of your sins and you were free. If you could just bottle that up. If you could just remember that time that you were no longer what you did in the past. You were no longer what your parents called you when you were young. You were no longer anything except forgiven and loved by Jesus. If you could just bottle that up, how could you not shout and say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done? That's what took place. They acknowledged what they were feeling, that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was a Savior. Jesus loved them, but some of the Pharisees, just like the older brother. Meanwhile, everybody's having a party, but meanwhile, the older brother, he did not. Meanwhile, these Pharisees, they said, hey, teacher, rabbi, rebuke your followers. They're being blasphemous. Like for them to throw their jackets down and say, Hosanna, blessed are you, the king. This is ridiculous. No way. Like rebuke them. Jesus replied, if you keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Now, when I was a youth pastor, and I don't want to make uh, light of uh, adolescence, but there were some in the youth group that said, everybody be quiet and let's see if this stone or this rock is actually going to make a noise. I'm like, you're kind of a, well, you're a teenager. You're, I would use a different word. It's like some people would be like, like I just want to see if it's true. Is Jesus really going to do that? But then there's others that are like, why would we even test to see if a rock would take the place of us that have a soul that can cry out to Jesus. Why? When we have an opportunity to sing, to praise God, to just acknowledge him, you don't have to be all crazy. I mean, if that's how you are, then be yourself. But you could just say, wow, God, that, that just means so much. But as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, so everybody celebrated Jesus was probably feeling pretty good riding on the donkey. Hey, look, people are acknowledging me. They're coming to me. They, they see. And then uh, the Pharisees, whatever. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Why after this huge adrenaline rush? Why after this huge acknowledgement? Why after this phenomenal altar call after Jesus began to weep? Like, was it tears of joy or was it the reality of wide is the road that leads to hell and narrow is the way that leads to heaven? Is it, I'm giving my life for everyone to know me as Savior, but there are those that, are, for whatever reason, are going to reject me, that aren't going to want my forgiveness, that I'm going to obey my dad for nothing. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Reading this section, reading the context, this was for the religious leaders, the Pharisees of the law. This is not for us for all eternity because what good was it if we were all destined for hell because we all did not acknowledge Jesus when he rode in on the donkey. But I do believe the same sentiment applies. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. That you today, Zach, if you had just come up 
that you today would understand God's salvation is for you. You would understand that Jesus is the Messiah. He's not just some religious leader. He's not just someone that we see on a crucifix or we wear an empty cross. It's not just some symbolism of some religion that took place sometime. It's not because like we think we could do anything of our own strength, but it's because we choose the way of God's peace. We need his hope. We desire Jesus to love us and forgive us because without him, we could do nothing of value. And you can say, Jeff, I shout with joy because I've received Jesus. And we applaud that. And heaven rejoices. But Jesus came that we might make him known as we've known him. That we might make Jesus known as we've known him. That we make him known for his grace that covered our sin. That sin, that temptation, that thought, that proclivity, that whatever that you've struggled with, that you have in your life, that you pray no one ever finds out. Jesus came to forgive you of that. And if you've asked for his forgiveness, you are forgiven. And if he's forgiven you of that, that you pray no one ever finds out, then can we extend the same grace to someone else that is struggling, that God would cover their sin, that we might know about their sin. We haven't been able to hide, they haven't been able to hide it like we have ours. And we could just say, you can experience the forgiveness of Jesus, his love, that he cares for you, that he's calling you to know his peace. He's not calling you to be some super Christian that carries your Bible and wears those weird Christian t-shirts everywhere. He's calling you simply to know that he loves you. Because he loves you, we have forgiveness. And we have hope. And we are not alone. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. And Lord willing, we're going to gather together next Sunday and celebrate Easter. And Jesus would say the same thing how I wish today, that you of all people would understand the way to peace. And this Holy Week, as I want to jump from celebration of Palm Sunday to celebration of Easter, that we allow ourselves to remember the Last Supper, the betrayal the can't you just pray with me for one hour? I am so filled with anxiety that I have blood coming from my pores because, oh God, I do not want to obey you. But daddy, daddy, not my will, but yours be done. As on the cross, Jesus said, daddy, Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them, Daddy. Please, Daddy, forgive them. Forgive them. So through Jesus, we have forgiveness. But choose you this day who you will serve. Will it be Jesus? Jesus, as we pray. As we think about you and the temptations and the sin that we've done. As we seem like we're addicted and bound and pulled away from you. 
Oh God, break those chains that we might know you, that you would set us free, that we would have the hope and peace of your salvation. And for our family members, our relatives, our co-workers, our neighbors, those that we see that do not know you, may we display you like the curtain being pulled back on a stage that they would see your love and can't help, can't help but say, Jesus, here am I. I confess, I repent, forgive me, and now we walk in your freedom. Hosanna, Jesus. You are the Messiah. Thank you for loving us, and we dare say we love you back. Let your will be done. In your name we pray. Amen. Zach.
And as that continues to pray, um, I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes and um, just a sign of respect is maybe, hopefully, God's speaking to someone here today and you just feel like, man, I, I need to make Jesus my Savior. Like, I do. I, I don't know what else to do, but to do that. So all I have to do is say, Jesus, like, I know I'm a sinner and you know I'm a sinner. So, hey, I'm a sinner, but I want to be saved. And so... I confess and I repent and I just want to know you as Savior of my life. And if there's anyone like that today and you're comfortable, just slip up your hand just real quick. doesn't matter if I see it or I don't. God sees it. We just want to uh, pray for you. And Oh God, we thank you because you are a God of love and one of forgiveness and one that helps us. We thank you for your son and we thank you for salvation. Here we are, God, and it's too hard to do things in our own strength, so we choose to abide, to rest, to remain in you, and we follow you as you lead us. We thank you that you lead us to a place that gives us great peace and hope that you are victorious. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen, and amen. Feel free to have coffee and snacks, intermingle, and join us for Easter next week. Thank you so much.